0: Good evening, everyone. Uh, Thank you for having me tonight. I want to thank you all for giving me this opportunity uh, to speak. Uh, You all have come to know me well in this past year. We have searched through the Scriptures together to find the truths God has given us. And you all know well that uh, I was not a Christian before coming to you. In searching through the Scriptures, I've come to know the truth of salvation. I want to talk about tonight... Why faith alone in Jesus will not give you salvation. But first, let's talk about why we need Jesus. Let's turn our uh, Bibles here to Romans. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It's going to be a lot of page turning tonight, so (laughs) hope you guys are ready. Romans 3.23 says that we have sinned and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. These sins can be listed in many passages throughout the New Testament. Some examples are 1 Corinthians chapter six, First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. And also Revelations 21.8. I'll just read a little bit of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 here for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you, know, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Also, in Revelations 21 8, is another long list of uh, sins that we all have probably committed in our past lives, and people have committed and will give us a, a second death. And we don't want that. So, as, and th- that was also a, a scripture that Brother David had mentioned this morning. These past sins need, cannot be forgiven uh, except through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, we see an example of sins in the Old Testament that were try, They tried to forgive those sins through the blood of goals, uh, goats and bulls, but it obviously wasn't enough and we needed a savior. And that precious sacrifice we have was Jesus Christ. And in the passage that Ben read for you, we see that God sent his only begotten son to die on that cross for us. And a lot of professing Christians take that verse, and they stop there. And they say, oh, faith alone is all we need. But I would say we need to read the rest of the Bible. And we need to not take scriptures out of context, And we also need to harmonize those scriptures. So let's do that. Let's talk about faith. What is faith? 11 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. We believe and have faith in things that we cannot see with our eyes, but we do not get faith Just by seeing, we also have to hear. And that's Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Our faith comes by hearing. It says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Like all of you are doing here tonight, you're hearing the scriptures. And that's the only way that we can have true faith. But if faith alone was all that we needed, that would be pretty easy, wouldn't it? We could just believe and then be done with it. We could just act however we wanted and then go back to our lives, ask for forgiveness later, like most people try to do. But I tell you that even the demons believe. So that's not a good excuse. And we can see an example of this in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. And for the context, here Jesus is come, he came across two demon-possessed men. And these demons are talking here. And it starts saying, and suddenly they cried out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So we see here that even the, even the demons know that Jesus is the true son of God. And they believe in him. But we've also, we also need to talk about another scripture that mentions this exact thing in James, James chapter 2. James chapter 2 verse 19. In James chapter 2 verse 19 it says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. And A little bit further down if you scroll down to verse 24 of James chapter 2. You'll then see that a man is justified by there in verse 24. Well, he's talking about obedience. So we see that we need faith and we also need obedience. Let's talk about what obedience is in the Bible. In John chapter 14 verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, Keep my commandments. But if you disobey him, what happens? Well, he tells you in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So he's plainly telling us here, if we don't obey him, then we don't love him. And if we don't love him, we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And this is a stark contrast of what faith alone teaches. Faith alone is of the idea that no matter what you do, you can inherit the kingdom of God, but we know that not to be true, right? We must actively do his will, and we must not sin, and we must walk in the light, brethren. So, so far we have faith, and we have obedience, and now we come to The next step, confession. We need to confess his name before men. And we see that in Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So if we confess, well, then we obviously need to what? Repent. And what is repentance? Is repentance just a lowly apology? Is it just saying, I'm sorry, God. I know I really messed up. No. Repentance explained in the Bible is not just a lowly apology. It's a change of mind. It's a turning of, of, of your heart, a turning of your soul. It's completely changing your direction. You're going north, head south. So what we see in Scripture here in Luke chapter 11, verse 32. In this context, Jesus is talking about repentance. He's talking about the Ninevites described in the book of Jonah in chapter 3, verse 5. In Luke chapter 11, verse 32, Jesus says, The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And God was telling the Ninevites here that if they didn't repent for being wicked, they were going to be destroyed. So what did they do? Well, they put on sackcloth and ashes and prayed to God that they, he would, they wouldn't destroy him, that it wouldn't destroy their city, and they actually changed. And that's the type of repentance that Jesus is talking about. It's not, it's not just an apology. It's not just a, I'm sorry. It's an actual change of heart. And we also see in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, that if we don't repent, what happens? that destruction that God's talking about. Luke chapter 13, verse 3 says, we don't repent, we'll perish. So we must have faith. We must obey. And we must confess. And also we must repent. But we aren't done. There's still one more thing that we must do. And the scriptures talk about being born again. We must be born again. And what does that mean? Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verse 7. In John chapter 3 verse 7, or sorry, John chapter 3 verse 3, starting in 3 through 7, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again? When he's old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. But do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So Jesus is talking about being born of water. He's talking about being born of the Spirit. And we must be washed by that water. And it's described here in Ephesians. If you want to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26. It says, "...that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. And Jesus is talking about the marriage to the church and talking about cleansing, cleansing yourselves with the water of the word. We also have another scripture that's mentioning the same thing in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, not by works of righteousness, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So my friends, we must be washed with water and we must have the Spirit, which leads to our only conclusion that we must be baptized. And a great verse that we all look to for baptism is the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 when Peter is, is praying, er, Peter is giving a sermon here. And in verse 38, he's telling them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we must be baptized with the water to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We understand that this baptism... Let's us look at. Uh, we understand this baptism is is of the Spirit, and we want to f- look at another verse that talks about baptism and attaining that Spirit in First Peter chapter three, verse twenty one. In First Peter chapter three, verse twenty one, it talks about Noah's Ark and it talks about the day of the flood. It says, "Who were formerly who formerly were disobedient." When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. And in verse 21 it says, There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of filth on the flesh, but the answer of good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's not just taking a bath. It's not getting a shower. We're not cleansing us of dirt. we're cleansing us of the sins, the, our past sins. And that's what, this, that's what this scriptures talking about. So let's take a look at, an, at examples in the Bible of, of baptism. There's many examples, and we can come, come to Acts, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter eight, verse 36, describing Philip and the eunuch. And in 36, it says, now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. So we see that's an example of being baptized. We get another example here in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, this is the the jailer start in verse 33. So, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. So that's another example. And then we can go to an example in Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22 is when Paul got baptized. He's explaining what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And then We come down to Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And he says, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive our testimony concerning me. So we see that Paul here was baptized. So we know what the five things are we need. We need faith. We need obedience. We need confession. We need repentance. And most of all, tame salvation, my friends. And we know that Christ suffered through the same sins that we go through. So these aren't things that, that God is asking for us that are burdensome. Jesus went through these same temptations and he overcame them. And we can see an example of this in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 8, it says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who... So that's what Jesus is to us. He's our eternal salvation. And that gift of salvation is, is of grace. This is a gift that we can't obtain through... Any type of good deeds or any type of money to buy. We can't buy our way into heaven. And there's an example of that in in the Bible of someone trying to do that exact thing. In Acts chapter 8 verse 13, Simon the sorcerer. He tried to buy his way into heaven. And obviously he had to repent of those things. But in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, this is a a common verse that people take and they twist to say faith only. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And as we can see through this outline that I've provided for you, the faith is only the beginning, and that we need to do all the rest of what's required. And if you scroll down to verse 10... It says right there, for, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk with him. So the writer is telling us that we need to have faith, but we also need to have that obedience. And we can't have one without the other. And obviously this, this is attained through grace. This is a gift of God that we can't buy our way in. And obviously, this is something that we don't deserve because we all have sinned. And this grace that's described here is also described in Titus chapter two. For the grace or two, verse eleven, this talks about the grace that God gives us. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, and he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purity, or purify for himself his own, social, his own special people, zealous for good works. So as we can see, grace is a gift, but we have to live righteously to keep that gift. And if we live unrighteously... We have the ability to fall away, and this is something that people, throughout our days and our times, don't like to necessarily uh, admit. And in Second Corinthians, or sorry, Second John chapter one, verse nine, Second John chapter one, verse nine, it says, "Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God." He who abides abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares his evil deeds. And another example of falling away, we have Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. It says, you have become estranged from Christ who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. So this grace isn't, isn't there forever. This is a grace that we must keep on, uh, keep on going through the race and keep on walking in the light to attain it and to keep it. And it's costly if we fall away. Because if we fall away then what else do we have left but the Bible to bring us back? And this, there's a verse that talks about this in Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 20. It says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the, and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. And that's why I plead with you that we all who are listening here must listen to the commandments that Jesus has given us here, and we must obey. And I ask that as we obey, that we must become of good ground and we must obtain that seed so that it can be blossomed into a beautiful flower like it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 8. And I would hope, brethren, that we all grow in our continued walk through, through Christ and grow in grace and knowledge like it talks about in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Let me read that for you, Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 18, it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of, the, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. So we have a never-ending battle, but we can be victorious. We can be victorious and overcome that sin if we walk in the light and if we walk with Jesus. Now, if there's anyone among you, brethren, that needs that salvation, that needs that grace, would you please come forward and let us know how we can help you while we stand and sing the invitation song.